are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. This is going to be episode 20, our first episode on our Tuesdays, um, and also the first episode of 2021. Uh, last year was a, a good year for us, and we're, we're starting this one off strong. I've uh, been happy with the support so far and uh, just ready to kick off this year. How are you doing over there, Matt? Doing pretty good. Uh, happy New Year to everybody. And uh, I'm, uh, we've got, a, I guess it's a little bit late Christmas presents, but uh, all the moves that have happened in baseball in the last two weeks, uh, we got a little bit of Christmas presents. So uh, I hope everyone had a great, uh, great couple of holidays here and uh, so excited for the new year and for 2021, hopefully to be a lot better than 2020 for you know, so many people out there, but for us, of course, you know, starting this podcast 2020 was, uh, you know, it turned out to be all right. So, um, you know, we're just trying to make it. Uh, I know that everyone's, uh, hope that everyone's doing well out there. Yeah. And, and uh, if you guys are, you know, looking at this on Apple podcasts and Spotify and stuff, um, you know, you should see, uh, our new logo. We wanted to start 2021 off fresh. Uh, we gave our logo a nice little facelift. Looks much better, much more professional now. Um, I really love the way it turned out. So, no, nice little touch to to start off, you know, the podcast 2021 and uh, just just start off fresh and, and just give us a a little facelift and a little extra energy. I don't know. It, now that we have that new logo, it kind of makes me feel better about this thing. I don't know. What about you? Oh yeah, it looks it looks a lot better. I'm uh I'm excited for it as as many of y'all who have listened to us before know. Uh, Damien and I are both big into sim racing, and we both painted up our uh, our cars for this upcoming you know for the new year and everything with uh <laughs> with the uh with the with the logo. So I, I think it's pretty uh I think it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Thanks to thanks to Damien yeah. for putting that together and uh, getting that made for us. And I know he didn't make it, but. He, no, yeah, actually, for some reason, buddies, uh, David Tooker made it. So yeah, if you yeah. check it out, check out David Tooker Designs. We'll give him a shout out on here. Yeah, 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 for sure. But uh, this, basically, this podcast uh, majority of it is going to be called the San Diego Padres episode. Oh um, yeah. So if you are, if you are any, if any of your teams are in the NL West, like my Dodgers are, um, you know, there's a little nugget in here that just broke literally right before we started recording this for the Dodgers, but. Everything else is going to be for the Padres and how the Padres are making some humongous moves to try and, uh, you know, come after the Dodgers division title and, and the Dodgers World Series title. Yeah, um, um, we had, uh, speaking of that, we were, we were going to do our NL West preview this week, but I'm glad we waited to do that one last because we're, we just, everything just changed in the last week or two. And... Um, this is going to be the preview to our NL West preview because we're just talking about the Padres and Dodgers today pretty much. There's a couple other small things that we're going to talk about, but uh, the Padres and Dodgers were or the, but the Padres are the ones that did everything this week. So um, go ahead, Damien. I, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but. No, no. I mean, like you pretty much said, I was going to say that. I mean, the Padres made the moves and the Dodgers have been, you know, they made one move and they've been in the rumors. Um, you know, for a couple of players, um, actually one of them will probably not be the case, but you'll find out later in this episode. But, uh, you know, we'll just jump right into the first signing we had from the San Diego Padres, and that was uh, Ha Sung Kim. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned him last week at the end of the episode, 
you know, shortstop. Um, I think he came from the Korean baseball league. I get the Korean and the MPB mixed up yeah, every it, single it's time. KBO. He was the, from the Korean league. Um, so he came over from the KBO, and we were expecting him to get, you know, on average ten million dollars a season. You know, ten to twelve. He supposedly had some big contract offers, um, and he ended up signing a four-year, twenty-eight million dollar deal with the Padres. Um, with incentives that could make it up to $32 million in those four years and also a $7 million option on uh, the fifth year, which is 2025. Yeah, this was uh, this is interesting. Um, the the four-year deal, I, I think that $7 million option, is that, that's also the buyout on it, correct? So it's I guess it's more of a, thir- a $35 million deal with that being an option. Uh, they'll pay him regardless, but... Um, I'm not sure what the buyout it is on it actually, but um, you're looking at a guy who um, that's really cheap for a guy with the projections that he's got uh, like ridiculously cheap uh, in the KBO, which is somewhere between double A AA and triple A uh, in, in skill level for, you know, from what I've read and that's kind of the, uh, the general opinion in the, um, in the industry. So this year, it's, it's basically take it for somebody who played half the season at double A, half the season at triple A. When you think about his numbers, uh, 294, 373, 493 career slash line in, in that whole in that league, which is he's been in it for, I believe, it's seven years now, six years. Um, he's 25 years old, so he's a young guy um, and he's a um, the, the projection. Some of the projection systems actually have him projected for three to four wins above replacement which would put him at a pretty pretty solid regular above average uh for sure and and almost you know if he, he hit the high end of that you know you're thinking maybe an all-star type player and you know maybe um i i probably you could probably compare him a little bit to uh jung ho gong from the pirates a few years ago um he's got good plate discipline he actually struck out fewer times than he walked i mean yeah, yeah, struck out fewer times than he walked. 68 strikeouts and 622 plate appearances is a pretty good number. Uh, that's a low number, and that was this year. Um, so this is a guy who he, he seems like he's going to be a solid player. He plays shortstop, which is uh, which is nice, but he can move around the infield, of course, with the Padres having Fernando Tatis Jr. It's at shortstop already. You know, he's not going to play short. And with them having Manny Machado, who's an elite defender at third, playing third, he's not going to play third. So that part of it's kind of interesting. I, I would assume he probably slots in at second. But um, this is a, this is an interesting move, and uh, I'm excited to see how this guy plays out. He, he seems like he's got some real potential. So Yeah, the, supposedly what I've heard is the plan is for him to play second. Um, it's really weird because they do have Jake Cronenworth, and there was a kind of thing like, oh, well, Cronenworth's going to go to the outfield. Uh, but their outfield is kind of stacked. I mean, you got uh, Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham, um, Will Myers, and I know I'm forgetting one other name out there. Um, you know, but then you have Eric Hosmer at first. So who knows what's going to happen with Jake Cronenworth, but supposedly the plan is for Kim to be the second baseman, um, you know, for the Padres. It, this is a lot less money than I thought it was. Oh, when yeah. he was gonna get. Um, I mean, when I put in, I put in our little chat we have with our group of buddies, that if this is all it took to get him, why weren't more teams in on him? Um, you know, and there there is a rumor that he had a, a bigger offer from another team, but we don't know what that team is or what that offer is. Um, so this one is, you know, maybe he, he sees the Padres as a young, kind of fun team. You know, they've got a lot of press and publicity these last couple of years. 
um, for being that kind of a team, kind of up and coming, you know, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, just showing a lot of emotion and stuff. And, you know, the KBO, they have the bat flips, they have all that stuff as well. So, and they're also a young and up and coming team that, that's going to be challenging for, you know, division titles and World Series, um, you know, for this next couple of years. So maybe he sees that and says, hey, I'll take a little bit less money to go there. Um, it's still more money than you get paid in the KBO. Yeah. So, but, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's going to be, you know, a solid second baseman. I mean, it, we don't quite know exactly what the transfer over is going to be. It always takes these guys a little bit to, you know, really adapt to the major league baseball game. It's faster pitching. It's a bigger ball. It's, it's all kinds of stuff. Um, so it, it'll be interesting, but it, it's very good signing for the Padres. I mean, if this is all it took to get them. Yeah, and, so. and one one more note on on that too um, is that you know this is like like I said it's, it's like a guy between Double A AA and Triple A. So you think about all the players who have come up from Triple A to the big leagues, you know, and you know hitting around that that slash line, and you know I think this year he had a nine forty OPS. So it could go either way. There's definitely some risk involved, but uh, uh, this is this is interesting, and uh, I think also. Uh, you know, you were talking about the crowdedness of, of the Padres lineup. This could open up a spot for them to potentially try to trade like a Will Myers and maybe get drop some money off the books, you know, pair him up with somebody, maybe even Cronenworth. Uh, you could pair him with and send him off to, uh, somewhere else or uh, something like that where you're maybe, maybe even Tommy Pham, um, you know, it opens up a few options in, in that, in that way too. Um but we did have another signing, uh, two more signings actually. Um, the first one we we actually and the, both of them were today, I believe. Um, so the one that just happened a few minutes ago was uh, Blake Trinan signing a two-year deal worth seventeen million dollars with a eight million dollar uh, option for twenty twenty-three. Um, that um, so I guess a total of um, you know that could end up being a three-year deal, but. Um, that is a uh, that's a development, and uh, I think that changes a little bit of the rumors we were talking about later. But uh, big deal for the Dodgers. What you think of that, Damian? You're our Dodgers expert here. Yeah, I mean it's it's less money than he got last year, and he was coming off a terrible season last year, and he got ten million dollars on a one year deal. Had a fantastic year for LA. Um, you know he could come into this year being the closer. Who knows? Last year he was setting up Jansen, and uh, you know. Jansen, and he's still a, a good major league pitcher, but you know you're starting to see signs of him falling off a little bit more. Um, so maybe trying on more of a year closer this year. But um, I mean, overall the deal is actually he got a four million dollars signing bonus. He got six million dollars a season, um, so that's for sixteen. And then he has a one point five million dollar buyout. So no matter what, he's going to get two years at seventeen and a half potentially. And that last year is for uh, that 2023 option is for eight million. So overall, it could end up being a three-year, twenty-four million dollar deal. Which, for a guy who who had a season last year like Blake Trinan, I think you could say that this is a fantastic deal um, for the Dodgers here. You know, and, and obviously Trinan's getting you know his eight million dollars a season on average. But uh, you know, if you you talk to many people, they were expecting you know him to get twelve to thirteen. So for LA to to really get him for you know below market value, you should probably say um, that's a fantastic deal. Yeah, I, I think it's you know it ought to work out for the Dodgers, um, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, the the last free agent deal that 
came through this week was um, that Robbie Grossman, this was actually today too, I believe. It was either today or yesterday. I think it was today. Um, Robbie Grossman signed a two-year, $10 million deal with the Tigers, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. And uh, Robbie Grossman is coming off a pretty good year. He hit 241 with a 344 on base and a 482 slugging in 2020, uh, which totaled out to be with his, you know, including his defense base running a 1.3 war, which, you know, not bad in this shortened season. So, um, I think that was an interesting move for sure. Uh, the Tigers adding a little bit of major league talent, improving their offense. Um. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was interesting for him going to the Tigers as well. Um, but one little thing that I, I you know, kind of sparked my interest was that he's reuniting with AJ Hinch. Um, he, you know, Robbie Grossman did play for the Houston Astros at one point under AJ Hinch. Um, so this is kind of a, a reunion of sorts. Um, uh, for Grossman to hinge, you know, maybe he trusts him a little bit more uh, or trusts him more than many players would right now after that whole scandal thing. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely, so, um, that's, that's definitely true. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know, Grossman, he's a, he's a solid major league player. You know, he's going to get you close to a 34, 35% on base percentage. Um, you know, hits the ball decently well, you know, walks almost 11% of the time. You know, his career average is 12.6. This year was 10.9. You know, still strikes out a little too much. I mean, almost 20% of the time. Um, but he, he's just a solid overall player. He's not gonna he's not gonna be a star player, but he's gonna be a guy who's gonna you know can play every day as a switch hitter. Um, he's not platoon based, so he can play every single day. And you know, he's decently a decent defender. I mean. He's a little bit below average, but he's not going to kill you out there either. So yeah, he's just usually a solid deal. And yeah, I was to say he's usually played a corner too, so he's probably he's yeah. not that he's not bad in a corner. It's just you know he's not playing a premium position, obviously. But, uh, but yeah. right, and and like somebody was saying, a two-year, ten million dollar deal for Detroit. They really struggled last year just making contact at all, and, and Grossman should be able to do that for him. And at ten million dollars, uh, you know, this is a guy uh, which. It really was an interesting point is that he's probably a guy who's more valuable um, to trade for at a deadline for a stretch run than he is in the off season because he's not a star player, but he's a guy who's going to be able to fill a role decently well. So if at, you know, at $5 million a season, if the Tigers decide at this you know trade deadline, Hey, we can trade him with a year and a half left, pay a little bit more you know money, get, let them get 5 million overall. For a guy like this that they're going to have for a year and a half, the Tigers, who are in a full-fledged rebuild like we talked about, you know, maybe they can get a major league piece back for him, uh, or or a major league, you know, prospect. You know, somebody that's going to have some sort of an impact. You know, maybe a low starter or a reliever or something. So, very solid deal, and and you know, those type of deals you're going to see for these kind of role players. You know, go into a team that maybe they can play a little bit more, showcase themselves a little bit more than, you know, competitive teams will and the opportunity to, you know, maybe get, get traded into a World Series run or, or to a playoff run. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one other note on these free agents are that all three of them signed contracts that are a lot lower than were kind of expected. I mean, especially Kim. I mean, there were some people talking about he, he ought to get $100 million. So, um, you know, he's only getting, 
what, 30, 35 at the most. So, and then Grossman, you know, for an, a pretty average major league player who, who's a probably a, a lower end regular, um, you know, the, the fa- market value for that's typically about $10 million for one year. And, you know, he's getting, you know, $5 million a year. And, uh, you know, Blake Trinan, like you said, um, I think he's probably on the same contract. I mean, if you just look at, you know, how much, how valuable his contract is, it's probably very similar to what it was last year because he does have more years on it. So you're always going to cut out just a little bit of, um, a little bit based on the years. But um, the fact that, uh, you know, he's coming off a much better year last year than he had, you know, when, when his last year with the A's, then that's, I feel like that's a pretty cheap deal too. So maybe you're seeing a little bit of the effects of, you know, the, with the coronavirus being a little bit um, slow to, you know, it's, it's not slowing down super fast and teams are maybe starting to get a little bit worried about the beginning of the season. And uh, you might be seeing some of these teams, some of these players go ahead and say, hey, you know, I'm probably just going to have to sign this for this year. But we'll see. I don't know if teams are uh, quite as willing to dish out the money that we were thinking they might. But um, but anyways, let's move on to uh, some rumors here. And, uh, you know, the first one we have is, uh, you know, Corey Kluber. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it came up today as well that, uh, you know, he's, he's going to throw a bullpen session this next week or so for, uh, you know, kind of scouting for teams to show up and, and see maybe what he has. You know, he was a uh, – He's battled injuries the last couple of years, and then this past season, you know, after getting traded to uh, Texas, I think he they only lasted like one or two innings. I think he only like he yeah. yeah, it was, and it wasn't even the full game. It was only like two or three innings, maybe. Yeah. Um, and he uh, he ended up hurting his shoulder. I forget what the actual injury is, but it took him out for the entire season. Um, so it was, you know, he's an older guy. But he's had a, a track record of of being successful when he's healthy. Um, but he has battled injuries the last couple of years, and he's starting to get on that older side for pitchers. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of mileage on his arm, but even then, it's still. I mean, if he's if he's breaking down like this and having these injury problems with not many innings on his arm, then this could be a uh, you know a scary sight. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But our. Uh... <laughs> Our next uh, rumor we had, which sort of involved the Dodgers, which is why the Blake Trinan deal was uh, you know, pretty shocking, was that Liam Hendricks, who's the top uh, free agent relief pitcher out on the market, he had met with the Blue Jays, I believe it was yesterday or today, um, you know, at their facilities and kind of just like went through and saw everything they had. I don't know if those were the, the Buffalo facilities or if that was the Toronto facilities. I don't know. Who knows where they're playing this season? Um, that still hasn't come out. but. You know, he's drawing interest from the Blue Jays, who are very active on all the top free agents, which we talked about a lot. Um, he's drawn interest from the White Sox. And then, you know, he supposedly the Dodgers have had strong interest in him as well. Um, but we don't know how much that will continue now that they have re-signed Blake Trinan. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Liam Hendricks is one of the best relievers in baseball. He's done it very under the radar uh, since he's been um, – since he's been in Oakland, uh, but um, I mean, any of these teams make sense. It, every team in baseball could add a reliever. Um, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past the Dodgers to add an extra reliever. 
um, you know, in, in Hendricks, you know, you can never have too many. And like you talked about earlier with Kenley Jansen, maybe you're not quite as confident in 2021 in him as you have been in the past. You know, you might want to add another elite reliever where, you know, Trinan looks like he could be back to being close to that elite form, but we're not 100% sure on him, um, you know, because of that year year before last. But um, but Liam Hendricks, um, I think we're pretty sure he's going to be pretty elite. I mean, as, as about as sure as you can be uh, that, that somebody's going to be really good. So uh, Dodgers make sense. The Jays definitely make sense. They need a closer. They need to replace Ken Giles. Um, and uh, the White Sox lost Colome, so they need a they need another back into the bullpen piece. Uh, but it'll be inter- it'll be very interesting to see what kind of a contract Liam Hendricks gets to, which obviously that's not a part of this rumor, so that's a story for another day. But um, I'm interested to see what you know what ends up happening with some of the top relievers on the market this year. So um, yeah, I mean, I, well, if, if we're talking about trying to. I was saying maybe if we can get you know you're talking about trying and maybe getting under market maybe the Dodgers do go out there and sign Hendricks maybe because market's even a little lower um, than what they were expecting but uh, yep. that next rumor you were going to jump to was uh, was DJ LeMahieu uh, go ahead and uh, kind of hit on what what his market's looking like yeah so so DJ LeMahieu um, it, it looks like basically what's going on here and and you know these are all rumors of course that aren't you know even though they're being reported from fairly reliable sources, you know, you never know how um, exactly, you know, how, 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 you know, how accurate these rumors are. But um, DJ LeMahieu apparently has been drawing some interest from the Dodgers. Um, and, um, you know, I, I would assume that that would mean he would probably take on the Justin Turner role, um, which is, which would be an interesting, interesting thing for sure. Um and, um, you know, kind of going along those same lines, Justin Turner apparently is kind of asking for a 40-year deal from uh, from teams, which is, I feel like it's a little bit too much because, you know, he's already 36. But um, it'll be interesting. I think um, both, I think EJ LeMahieu, you know, is going to be a very good player wherever he goes. And Justin Turner's still good. I'm a little bit worried about his age. He, he's had off and on injuries the last couple of years. And, you know, I don't know if he's the same. He's still good, but I don't know if he's the same guy he was a couple of years ago. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, you know, and supposedly L.A. is only wanting to go to two with Turner. Um, it could be a, a marketing or not a marketing, a, a thing from his agents deployed to, you know, maybe, hey, we want four, kind of settle for three. Um, but it is interesting that, you know, that they're interested in or in conversations with DJ LeMayhew. Um, you know, all the underlying numbers between DJ LeMahieu and Justin Turner are very, very similar. They walk about the same percentage. They strike out about the same percentage. They put the ball in play about the same amount. They, their averages on balls in play are pretty similar. Um, you know, Turner's hit for a little bit more power um, than LeMahieu has, you know, outside of his past uh, couple seasons where LeMahieu's been in Yankee Stadium. So it, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's it, they, you know, Lemayhew's a career second baseman, and teams are talking to him that maybe about playing third. So, who knows? It, you know, and the Yankees are in a wait and see mode. They're kind of in the mode of, hey, go get an offer and come back to us, and we'll we'll see what we can do to maybe match it or go over it. But yeah. just just some rumors going around there. Yeah, for um, sure. And I think that for the, the, when I was gonna say when it comes to the Yankees, I think that's a very wise thing to do this off season because you just don't know 
who all like you don't know what the market's going to be for a lot of these guys like we were talking about earlier with these free agents uh that, that have signed this week you just don't know what it's going to look like here coming going forward with you know steve J. LeMahieu going to get that contract that they're expecting because you know if the dodgers offer him that the yankees might not be able to beat it but you know you also don't want to just lowball him and you know turn him against you so i think that's a smart thing to do but Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the uh, to the real juicy parts for the San Diego Padres fan, uh, and that is the two blockbuster trades that they have made um, in this past week. And the first one is, uh, you know, trading for 2018 AL Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell from the San Diego Padres for uh, relief pitcher Luis Patino, uh, catcher Francisco Mejia. Uh, pitcher Cole Wilcox and catcher Blake Hunt. Um, you know, we've talked about the Blake Snell, you know, kind of the way the World Series happened and kind of maybe the animosity was going to be happening between the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Rays and Blake Snell and, and the way that they don't let him pitch deep into games or pit, pull him early out of that World Series when he was just rolling. Um, you know, he was signed to a, a decently team-friendly deal, three years, $39 million. Um but this is kind of the raise mold as they end up trading their guys, you know, before maybe you even think they need to, they end up doing that. But, uh, you know, how do you, what do you think about this whole deal and, and how the, the Rays and Padres are going to react from here? Um, so um, I think the big thing is you got to look at the prospects that they got back because they're close to big league ready or they are already in the big leagues. And, you know, I think if you're the Rays, you're looking at, you know, having one of the lowest payrolls in baseball and thinking, well, if we've got Blake Snell, we can replace him with a guy who's going to be, you know, just as good as Blake Snell, but it's also going to be cheaper and have, you know, have a lot of team control. And the guy that they were thinking there is Luis Patino, who was the number 10 overall prospect on fan graphs at the end of the year this year. He's, he's a top, a top prospect across the board on all the sites. Um, he's got a uh, very good fastball. You know, they rate, rate it as 65 on the on the 2080 scale. So uh, that's, you know, a pretty plus fastball, uh, plus slider. And, and he's got good command in, in general in the minor leagues. Uh, in, uh, tw- in 2019, he pitched mostly in, in high A and, uh, you know, had a 269 ERA. 11 strike 11.7 strikeouts per nine 3.5 walks per nine that just kind of shows some of the talent that he has he's also very young so uh, you know you're talking about a guy who it, it, he came up this year and struggled a little bit in the big leagues you know his command wasn't great but you know you're talking about a guy that last year was in high a and this year was pitching in the big leagues coming out of the pen so uh, i wouldn't put too much stock into his struggles in the big leagues this year um, another guy who has been a big part of a blockbuster trade before, uh, Francisco Mejia. He's a former top prospect. Last year, at the beginning of the season, he was the number 59 prospect overall. Um, he's got a he's a catcher. Uh, he's solid raw power and um, and and a pretty solid bat as a prospect. I think a lot of people kind of expected that to come around. Um, and he's got an elite arm. It's, it's an 80 grade arm on, on the scale. So just the, one of the best prospect arms you've seen um he, he was a pretty average player in 2019 uh when he had his full season of course uh, hit 265 a 316 on base 438 slugging 
um, you know, a 96 WRC plus, which means he was right about just slightly below average, a, uh, you know, and, and a zero defensive value. So not negative, not positive. I mean, he was pretty much the definition of average, uh, half of a win above replacement. So, but, but he only played in like 80 games. Uh, he was their backup catcher. Uh, the biggest thing is his approach needs work. He strikes out too much. doesn't walk very much. Um, but he's a guy who definitely still has talent. So a good throw in in that deal. Uh, then uh, Cole Wilcox, who was a third round pick this year out of Georgia. He actually signed a huge uh, bonus coming into the third round over slot at $3.3 million. Um, he was a college eligible sophomore. So he was somebody that they had to sign for a lot of money to get him to not go back to school. Um, He's got a pretty good fastball that's, you know, mid-90s as a starter. Uh, he's got a slider that's a little bit inconsistent, but it's typically good. Um, you know, it has the potential to probably be an, a, a pretty good pitch, plus pitch maybe. And uh, in 2018, he was actually projected as a first-rounder, but he, he you know, went to school instead. Um, and then Blake Hunt is the last guy. Um, he, uh, he was a 2017 second-rounder. He was the Padres' number 14 prospect. Um pretty good defender uh, has some power potential you know he's not really a he's more of he's probably the lowest out of the prospects in this trade but you know he's still got potential to be a big leaguer I mean anybody who's top 15 in the Padres system is pretty good so um, I think that the return the Rays got in this deal was very good Um, I mean the whole trading Blake Snell thing is something that I think most teams probably wouldn't have done but you know, in their situation with the way that their payroll is, they kind of have to make some moves like this. And uh, I think if you're going to make a move for Blake Snell, you got a pretty good return for him. So uh, that's a very, yeah, uh, very interesting for, deal for sure. Yeah. And for Hunt, um, you know, I, you don't know much about these prospects until they're traded and then you go into kind of, you know, looking into what they are and, and stuff. But for Hunt, um, you know, even though he's the lowest rated prospect traded, there's been a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, high-ranking you know, scouts or or developmental people that are very on point with what players will be or, or prediction-wise have been raving about Blake Hunt. Um, I just just saying that his swing is starting to come along, and that you know he'll, he's going to start you know getting that power at six three two fifteen. He's Huge, huge arm. His pop time behind the plate to getting it down to second is way, way, way like in the elite levels of it. Um, so, and the, the people have just been raving about what this guy can do. He is 22, um, so you know he's still got a little bit more time to develop before people you know, say that he's not ready or before he's a bust or whatever. But uh, people have been raving about this guy, so he, he's one to probably watch out for. And as far as the trading Blake Snow, I mean, I think you had to, right? I mean, the way that that happened in the World Series, you guys get there and then you pull him after he's rolling and everything. There's just no way you could bring him back, right? Like, Yeah, I just, mean, to a certain level, just, I, I get that, yeah. It just seems like the bridge was burned, you know? He wasn't he wasn't particularly happy when they traded his buddy Tommy Pham the year before. Um, you know, he was streaming on Twitch and, and got the famous Twitch clip of him calling the guy a slapdick prospect. Um, you know, and now he's reunited with the uh, with Tommy Pham in San Diego. But you know, it just seems like they're the the you know burning the bridge between the Rays and Snell has kind of been coming. 
you know, you can kind of just see the smoke already, and now they're we're kind of just where the bridge is burned. Um, it, you know, he wasn't on a, a very expensive deal. They sh- they would have been able to keep him at least for another year, and maybe look, I mean, under two years control. But I mean, if you're trading him now, I think they did a very fantastic. Uh, they got a very fantastic package for him. Yeah, and, and one other thing with 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 the Rays, you got to remember. I, I think that sometimes these teams that are really low market sometimes do a one year one one off type thing. Low, I mean, roll payroll, not low market, but um, you. So you know, with Charlie Morton being gone, and you know, with some of these guys that are not going to be back next year, Zunino being gone, you know, I think they might be trying to retool for 2022. Um, especially with the uncertainty surrounding the 2021 season with when it comes to payroll so or revenue. So, uh, you know, moving Snell, you know, it's, it's very likely. And, and you know, it, it, they're not all going to work out on these prospects, but there's a potential that in 2022 you could have another ace in Patino, a, a, a big league ace at that point. You could have Mejia t- develop into the catcher that he was, you know, a top prospect before. But he's that probably at least going to be Zunino. I mean, he's got pretty good power, pretty good defender. Like, he's probably going to be at least Zunino. Then you've got a Cole Wilcox who maybe comes out of the bullpen that year. You know, he's, he looks like he's got the potential to move pretty quickly. Um, and then you've got this uh, Blake Hunt who, if Mejia doesn't work out, he might be the guy that works out as a as a catcher. So, um I think you got a potential to have a couple of pretty good big league pieces out of this. And Patino's got that potential to be as good as Blake Snell has been. I mean, that, that's hard to say that he's going to for sure, because he's a, you know, a, a young guy. He's a minor leaguer right now. I mean, he's a double A probably, he probably should be a triple A this coming up year to start, um, you know, cause he, I don't know if he was quite ready for his big league call up this year, which, which was came out of the bullpen. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, not having a minor league season. Yeah, I, I doubt he would have come up to the big leagues if they had a minor league season. But, um, but I think it was a, uh, I think it was a very good trade for both sides, to be honest. So. Yeah, speaking of a uh, a trade that you know goes from one good return to uh, another one that leaves everyone in the baseball world scratching their head, uh, we'll transfer over to the Chicago Cubs trading you, Darvish and his personal catcher, Victor Carantini, to the San Diego Padres for, um, you know, starting pitcher Zach Davies. I'm sorry if I butcher any of these names, by the way, that are coming up. They are, I think the, the Cubs are just like all people whose names we cannot pronounce. Because uh, it's outfielder Owen Cassie, or Casey, um, Ismael Mania, Reginald Preciado, and Yesian Santana. Um, all of those are, are younger you know, prospects, lower on the on the prospect scale. Um, interesting part of this trade is that the Cubs paid five million dollars of Darvish's. He had three years fifty four or fifty nine left on the contract, and the Cubs are going to pay that down to three years at fifty four. Not quite sure why, uh, but they did. Um, you know, Darvish is coming off a second place uh, finish in the Cy Young this year. He had a really fantastic year. You know, a two hundred one ERA, a two twenty three FIP. Um, you know, struck out 11 per nine. You know, his walks were at an all-time low. He only had a 1.6 walks per nine. Um, you know, he, very. I mean, his home runs were only 8% uh, per home run for fly balls. Just an overall, like, career year at, uh, at age 30, 33 slash 34. Um, you know, and then getting his catcher, his personal catcher, Victor Carantini, 
um, which just is probably going to be the backup, you know, to Nola and, and that over there in, uh, in San Diego. But what do you think about the return the Cubs got in this trade, Mark? Yeah, so the, the first piece, uh, you know, you talk about is the big league piece, and that's going to be Zach Davies, who, you know, he's he's not he's not bad at all. Um, you know, he's only under control for one more year. He'll be a free agent at, at the end of 2021. Um, but he's only owed $8.5 million this year, so it's a pretty, you know, pretty reasonable uh last year in 2020 he actually had a 273 era in 69 innings um with a pretty big strikeout rate bump he he went from below six in 2019 to 8.18 strikeouts per nine with the padres this past year um he had previously been with the brewers um and he's a 379 career era so he, he's been a pretty solid big league pitcher um probably not he's not he had been at the level of you darvish obviously but you know he's pretty pretty decent um, and then you look at the the four guys that are in the minor leagues, which is really the main part of this deal because Davies will most likely be gone after after this coming up season. Uh, you look at Owen Cassie, uh, who is uh, 18 years old. He's a second rounder this season. Um, he's six four, one ninety. He plays outfield. Uh, probably ends up in the corner outfield, but they say that he's got a really good frame to grow into, and he's kind of a developmental prospect, and you're going to hear that a lot in this out of these guys, um, young and developmental. Uh, Preciado uh, is a 17-year-old shortstop uh, that was an international free agent uh, that the Padres signed. Uh, they say there's a there's a potential that he will or, or maybe a likelihood that he will have to move to third base eventually. But they really like his hit power combination. Um, I saw an article on Fangraphs that compared his swing a little bit to Corey Seager. They say it's real short to the to the ball. They really like him, and uh, he was not super high on Padres prospect list this season. But uh, a lot of people who saw him in the fall think he probably ends up in the top five of the Cubs system beginning next year. Um, of course, you know, with him being a 17-year-old, they probably hadn't seen him too much in the uh, in the minor leagues since, obviously, there wasn't a minor league this year. Um, two other guys in this uh, trade, uh, Yeson Santana, who is a 20-year-old, uh, sh- another shortstop, another raw developmental guy. Uh, they think he's going to slot in about number eight in the Cubs system, so uh, which is in a very good system. So, uh, you know, top 10 in the Cubs system. It's another, you know, high ceiling, high risk guy. Uh, could end up being a, a pretty good defender. And they, they like his projection uh, and his athleticism in, in, for future hit and power. But that's something that's going to be a big time work in progress for uh, for Yeson, uh Santana. Um, and then the last guy in the deal was uh, Ismael Mania, who is an 18 year old. Um, Got to remember those ages. Not a single one over 20 in this deal. Um, who you know maybe right right now is, could play center field. Uh, they think he probably eventually moves to the a corner. Um, he's he's a guy who has a lot of potential, athletic potential. They think he's got you know they they look at him. He, I think he was only five eleven, but they say he's got surprising power. Uh, but his swings maybe a little bit awkward. I think I saw it on a Fangraphs article compared to uh to uh, Todd Frazier's swing, but um, they say maybe if he, he works on that swing a little bit, his hit tool could improve and he could end up being a potential uh, guy. So uh, the, the return's pretty pretty good compared to what people have been talking about. You know, I, I think if I'm the Cubs, I would like to have gotten somebody, uh, one guy who's a little bit less risky in this deal, 
But you got to remember, you Darvish is a 34-year-old pitcher who's going to be 35 this year, you know, for about half the season. And, you know, while he had a great year in the short 2020, 2019, he, he was real inconsistent for the first half. Then he came he came on strong in the second half. Uh, 2018, uh, you know, it, it wasn't great. Missed a lot of the time in 2018. Uh, only eight starts. Uh, 2015, he had Tommy John surgery. So and and he's and he's owed a lot of money. So you're talking about a guy who is a expensive pitcher who is it who has had a lot of injuries in his career, who is aging now at, at 34, about to be 35. You know, for a lot of this coming up year. You know, I, I don't hate it for the Cubs. I think that's what you were gonna get. I, I probably wouldn't have traded him though if I was the Cubs. Yeah, I mean it. This just signals that the Cubs are going. I mean, there's no way that you can trade you Darvish, you know, especially for this sort of a package and say that you you want to compete anytime soon. Uh, you, you know, and especially what we've talked about with, you know, Bryant, Baez, Rizzo all becoming free agents soon, um, right after this next season, and then Contreras a couple years behind them, and you know, letting go of Schwarber already. It just kind of sees that they're you know, maybe they're trying to shift the tide to, you know, maybe we're done here and, and start that kind of rebuild or retool that's going to be a year or two long, maybe, you know, maybe two or three, depending on that. But, you know, going this, this young way on the prospects, um, you know, going for kind of a quantity at a young age over, you know, quality at, a, at an age that's going to be ready in the next year or two. Uh, I think that just screams the way that, you know, the Cubs are looking at this, uh, you know, at the way their direction of their team is going. Yeah, I agree 100% because, you know, these guys that they traded are all th- at least three years away. I mean, most likely, except for obviously Davies, who's been a big leaguer for a long time. But the, the prospects are, are very, very young. And um, I think if you look at that, it, you know, it reminds me a little bit of back. In, and of course, I'm going to use the Braves as an example uh, because, you know, that's the team that I you know, I'm most familiar with their recent history. Uh, you go back and look at it, when they traded Justin Upton to the Padres and they got back uh, you guys like Max Freed, Jace Peterson. They got back a bunch of guys that are young, that were young um, and had the potential to develop into solid players. Uh, and one of them, you know, out of those, you know, had four guys that were really young, quality, qual- quantity over quantity, um, Quantity over quality. Sorry, I had a little tongue twister there, but um, there it's a couple guys who, you know, and one of them panned out. I mean, Max Fried's now the Braves one or two in their rotation, and he had a great season and finished fifth in Cy Young voting this year. So, you know, I think the Cubs are kind of in that same mold. Looking at this trade, they have a very very poor farm system right now that they need quality. Uh, they need quantity of of, of high ceiling guys. They need they just need guys. And this is a trade that they got four guys who could potentially event end up developing into big league players and, and maybe very good big league players. So I, I, I don't hate this as much as a lot of people do for the Cubs. The biggest thing to me was the throwing in a, a catcher, Victor Caratini, with three years of control, who um, last year, you know, in 2019 uh, was – pretty dang good for a backup catcher i mean he had a 1.4 wins above replacement and you know just over 100 games in 2019 so um 
you know, this is a guy who who was an above average hitter, uh, had a 108 WRC plus that year too. So, um, you know, I feel like that's something that's kind of getting tossed aside in this deal is the Victor Caratini part of it. Cause I think that giving up him, you know, he's got a lot of control. Um, and I think that was a little bit of, a, I mean, obviously this deal is centered around the, the guy who was runner up in the Cy Young this year, but throwing in Victor Caratini and to me was a little bit surprising, even though he's the guy that caught you Darvish most of the year this year. So, uh, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's really the only reason is because, you know, uh, Francisco Mejia was their backup catcher. They traded him in the Blake Snell deal. And then it seems like the Cubs, you know, they didn't they didn't really use Carantini much outside of being Darvish's, you know, kind of main catcher outside of the time where, he, you know, they were getting Contreras an extra day off or something. So, I mean, throwing him in this deal, I mean, that doesn't make a big thing to me. It's just that the Cubs, you know, you didn't, I mean, Davies is nice. He's a decent player, but he's only a one-year deal. So are you going to try and look to put him at the market, you know, at the deadline? And, I mean, what are you going to get there? And then these younger guys, and you know, why did you throw in $5 million into this con, you know, to, yeah. in the deal for the contract? And on top of adding in guarantee, it, it's just a deal that makes me scratch my head all the way around. Yeah, I think Davies is probably to balance the money a little bit because the Padres have a lot of money on the books this coming up year already. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're adding a an extra, you know, what, 18, 19 million for Darvish. So, um, you know, I, I, maybe that might have been to balance the money. Just a little bit, but yeah, and you're adding well, yeah, money. Yeah. So Kim is he's not too much, but he's a. But I mean, they've already got the giant Manny Machado contract. They've got the um, they got Will Myers. They got Eric Hosmer. Those contracts are pretty big. I mean, you you've already got a, a few pretty Clevenger's owed a pretty good bit in arbitration. Um, you know, remember they signed the signing to that two year deal. Remember? Right, right. But you know, he he signed. That's right. He signed the he signed the deal. But still, like. You know he's owed a pretty good bid. He's over owed over ten, I believe. So, um, I mean you've you've That's got a lot sure. of money, got a lot of money on the books in a season that, you know, you don't know what your revenue is going to be. Plus, you, you got to remember that you know you're also going to have some of the, um, you're you're also going to have some guys who you know you, you don't want to you're going to add to that bullpen a little bit because you know you're losing Kirby Yates or you, they're going to try to bring Kirby Yates back. They're going to have to have some kind of money to do that. So. I think that's kind of what you're looking at here. You would like to see the Padres, you know, make a yeah. I hate yeah. You hate to say the Padres ought to make another move because they've made so many, but you know, you honestly kind of want to see them make a move for another reliever, you know, too. So um, to round out their team, but uh, the Padres, and we'll talk real quick about what this does. I think this moves the Padres into, but these two trades together, plus the Kim signing, which I think is possibly going to be a bigger deal than people expect. Um, I think it moves them for the first time in several years to be favorites in the division in the West and unseat the defending champs. So um, I know the Dodgers are still very good, but you know when you add this pitching, uh, and then of course they're going to get they're going to get Dinelson Lamette back too. uh, While they won't get Clevenger back, but I mean that's a pretty good one, two, three combo. Plus, you know, you maybe paddock bounces back and their lineup looks like it's going to be very solid. So I, I don't, I think the Dodgers, I mean, I think the Padres are going to be very tough to beat this year. 
<laughs> I'm going to hold my tongue on that one, Chief. Because uh, i got a lot of stuff I could say about that one. But there's you can't put the Padres ahead of the Dodgers yet. They haven't proven uh, proven it enough. And the Dodgers are your defending champions. And really haven't lost many pieces from that, uh, that championship roster outside of Justin Turner, who's still free agent, still could come back, or you can upgrade DJ LeMahieu. So... But we'll have that conversation in our uh, our NL West breakdown, which is next week. But yeah, I mean, Padres are—I mean—they're making moves that, that are going to make them a better team, and and the division is going to be a fantastic division battle for the next five to six years. Um, you know, they're going to be a—they're going to be a threat in the playoffs as well. Uh, and I think that this Dodgers Padres is going to be the rivalry for the next you know five or six years in the NL. And it's going to be in the division, so you're going to be able to watch those teams play each other 18 times yeah. a season. Yeah, I think Do- Dodgers a little bit even more special. Yeah, Dodgers, Padres, and then and then in the in the East, Braves, Mets are going to be the two division battles I think to watch. Um, you know, maybe the maybe the Phillies retool and are able to get up there, or, the, or maybe the Nats. But um, I think the West is pretty certain that the Dodgers and the Padres are going to control this division in one way or another. Uh, because I don't know if the other teams are going to quite be there. But we're going to talk about that next week in our NL West preview, which is just changed this week so uh there are a lot of changes to that but. yeah so well i think i mean that's pretty much all i got on mine do you have anything else that we need to, to hit on um i don't think so um i think uh you know it seems to me like um the, these two trades for the padres that they, they really are going all in and i think in a way they're changing their window. Uh, they're changing a medium chance of winning a World Series for the next six to eight years to a very good chance of winning it for the next three or four years. Um, you know, they've obviously still got a lot of guys who are going to be there long term, but you know, I think that's I think that sometimes they're I think they're changing that a little bit. And of course, uh, you know, one other thing to kind of look at with these moves. It's all of them are under control in 2022 as well. So you're talking about moves that they're going to be able to bring back Clevenger to pair with these guys in the rotation. So you're going to have a rotation in 2022, assuming health of uh, you Darvish. uh, You're going to have Blake Snell. You're going to have Dynelson Lamette, and you're going to have Mike Mike Clevenger in in that. I mean, that is a – one, two, three, four, that is very solid. Um, so plus, you know, with that lineup, you know, you, you can, you throw in a couple of extra pieces in there that are, uh, you know, role players. I mean, obviously they'd like to have a couple good bench bats, you know, some depth in case there's injuries, you know, obviously the bullpen's going to be something that is probably the last thing they need to build. But I mean, this has the look to me of a team that, they smell they, they smell blood in the water right now, and they saw that their team played very well this year. They see the young talent they have, and don't forget they've also still got an extremely good farm system. Even though they've traded away a lot of guys in the last year, their farm system's still very very good. I mean, they didn't trade uh, Mackenzie Gore. I mean, he's gonna be there. I mean, and they also still have the young Chris Paddock, who you know had a down year this year, but he's still young and develop into something they, they, this team's got i mean this team could be a this team is very formidable for the future and it, you know if they need a, something to put them over the top too, you know one more piece then i mean they're a team that 
easily could go get it with a lot to spare at the deadline. Um, so I like this Padres, the Padres moves. I think they're going to be a very good team. Um, like you said, I mean, the Dodgers are very, very good too. So it's hard to say which one's going to be the, the one to, to beat or whatever. You know, if, if I had to pick it, I'd say I think the Padres are probably the favorite for the division this year. But, you know, we, we're not over with the offseason yet either. So um, there's a lot left to a lot left to prove, a lot left to go, and uh, we'll, you know, keep keep on following it, and, you know, all the twists and turns. I was very surprised at this one, but so uh, we might have a, you know, we got a new power in the National League, so um, that's something to definitely watch out for. I hope this is one of those where everybody screams at the Padres won the offseason, and then they come out and just stink it up. Very much hope that. Yeah. It, it, it will yeah. be the case, but I can hope. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say on, on that point that I think a lot of times when you, we've heard in the past several years a team wins the offseason, a lot of times it's a team that was going for it too early. But this time the Padres are – I mean, even if Darvish gets injured, Snell struggles, or, you know, Kim turns out to not be a big leaguer level player or whatever – you know, they still had a very good team this year. So, I mean, they would take a lot for the Padres. And, and it might happen. I mean, you never know with injuries and stuff. But it's not like a move where the, the Phillies took a roster that was just okay and a farm system that was little above average and signed a couple of big contracts and went for it. It's This is a situation where you had a really good team with an elite farm system that now is adding to it so i think this is a different situation from a lot of those where you've seen team win- wins the offseason type thing uh the marlins several years ago when they traded for um when they traded for d gordon and they traded for a, signed a couple pitchers or traded for a couple pitchers or something um there's another one where you know it felt like they might have won the offseason and then it was kind of the same thing but i think this one I think this one's a little bit different but we'll see that's what makes baseball so interesting you, you never know what's going to happen Never, never know. Well, uh, let's hope we have another week that is as eventful as this week was, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and, and do the NL West division breakdown next week. And uh, you know, hope we all had a new, a happy new year. And uh, you know, let us know what you think about that new logo and, and kind of uh, you know what what you're looking forward to from either us or for yourself for uh, for 2021. Uh, this has been the Backflip Podcast, episode 20, and we will catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.